The document is dated July 2nd, 1937. A simpler time, a harder time. Unemployment across the country had dipped to its lowest point since the beginning of the Great Depression. Franklin Delano Roosevelt was into his second term, and for the first time in a long time, optimistic was more than wishful thinking. The words are simple enough. George S. Algio, a single man, party the first part, and Anna E. Algio, June Algio, I.K.M. Algio, and Jerry M. Algio, as joint tenants, parties of the second part, does by these presents grant, bargain, and sell, convey, and confirm under the said parties of the second part their heirs and assigns the following described lots, tracts, or parcels of land. And so it was with those few simple words in that far simpler time that one Jerry M. Algio became joint owner in one Barton County, Missouri farm. Five years later, Jerry would find himself living at a time that was spinning out of control faster than he could have ever imagined and facing a situation that was anything but simple. By the summer of 1942, the United States was fully immersed into what we now refer to as the Second World War. The twisted hulks of Pearl Harbor were being repurposed to fight again. Doolittle had had his 30 seconds over Tokyo. And the Battle of Midway had just sent four carriers of the Imperial Navy of the Empire of Japan to the bottom of the Pacific Ocean. The might of America's armed forces was punching back at her enemies, but the outcome was still anything but certain and the slog ahead was guaranteed to be long and hard. It was against that backdrop of history that a letter arrived from Selective Service System. Jerry was being drafted. As a farmer critical to the food production for a nation at war, he could have easily received an exemption from military service. But as an American male of the time, Jerry was in no mood to be in an exemption. His role was not as a cog in the machinery behind the war. His role was the front line that could win the war. He sold the equipment, moved his sisters to town, and answered the call. On October 1, 1942, Jerry was inducted into the United States Army and via Harlingen, Texas, Salt Lake City, Utah, and Boise, Idaho, he made his way to England. On the morning of July 28, 1943, Jerry and the nine others that made up the crew of B-17-42-3116 patches to her crew took off from United States Army Air Force Alconbury Huntington-Dyershire, England, on a mission to bomb the Fiesler aircraft plant at Cassel, Germany. It was their first and last mission of the war. They made it to the target for a successful bomb run, 
But on the return flight to England, Patches was hit by German flak and forced to fall out of formation. Her end was a fait accompli. His five Falkwolf M190, five Falkwolf 190s and their 20mm cannon began shredding what was left of her. Pilot Harold Porter gives the order to bail out. Ball turret gunner Sebastian Savella described the final moments. We were attacked by five FW-190s. They were hitting us from all sides. Things happened so fast. As I was sitting in the ball turret, I noticed parachutes going by underneath. I didn't know what was going on because my intercon system and warning signal were destroyed. I had no contact with inside the ship. When I looked up, I saw the pilot coming through the bomb bay and he was waving his arms. The two waste gunners were still there and, of course, I was there. The rest of the crew had already bailed out and that's what I saw going underneath the ball turret. I quickly got into position to get out of the turret and as I did, an FW-190 attacked the side of the ship and hit it with a 20mm ripping off the side and hitting one of our waste gunners, killing him. The other waste gunner was hit in the back with shrapnel. And of course, I had a little shrapnel wound too. I had no chute on. Can't wear a chute in the ball turret because there's very little space. I got my chute on. The waste gunners were gone, except for Jerry, who was just lying there, full of blood. I'm sorry for that. Patches would continue on in autopilot until finally breaking apart over the Dutch countryside. The body of Jerry Algio remaining with her until the very end, coming down with the tail section over a ditch outside the village of Gorinkum. It was almost three weeks before Jerry's body was finally recovered from the wreckage by the occupying Germans and initially buried at Shalinian Cemetery. He was reinterred after the war to Sherry's final resting place with 8,301 fellow Americans at the Netherlands American Cemetery outside the village of Margraten. Each and every grave at Margraten has been adopted by families, businesses, or local groups who ensure that their sacrifice will never be forgotten. To this day, 70 years after the end of the war, a waiting list of over 100 still stands ready to adopt a grave should the need ever arise. Last month, I had a chance to see for the first time the land that 73 years ago, Jerry Algio saw for the first time. It was a perfect October afternoon. All that remained of the morning cloud cover were a few puffs of white moving briskly across their deep blue canvas, as if trying to catch up to the front already passed. The air was crisp with a bit of chill, yet tempered by a sun determined to stay relevant as fall pushed its way in. Railroad tracks still in use today split the farm into two adjacent triangles. Grassland to the south, a newer replacement barn and house to the north. I couldn't help but wonder how many times Jerry had heard the old steam locomotives pass in the night. 
And he stood there as a white-eyed kid in the middle of a Missouri summer, waving at the engineer, the fireman, the brakeman, and the caboose, dreaming one day he too would ride the rails. Standing there, alone with the peace of a gentle breeze, the knowledge of what he gave up and the sacrifice he made was to say the least a moment I shall never forget. But what jerked the emotion right out of me were two simple concrete steps. The top one, having carved in cursive in its lower right corner, a single word, Algio. And it came over me that standing atop those two simple steps was not just the memory of Jerry, but the spirit of each and every man and woman who from the very beginning of this great nation has put the exception into American exceptionalism. The Jerry's of America are eternal. They were there before the war, they were there during, and they are with us today and through the thousands of, thousands of tomorrows to come. They are the men and women of America's armed forces, and their dedication and sacrifice has no equal. Our thanks will never be enough, our gratitude never fully felt. So as we give our veterans their day this year, it is imperative that we remember they deserve so very, very much more. If you can't find a vet to thank in person, please just say a prayer or take a moment. Anything, just do something in your own way that none be forgotten. God rest your soul, Jerry Algio, and God bless each and every one of your brothers and sisters past, present, and future.